Hallelujah. Glory to God. So glad to be in his house. Well, it's been a busy week and just so much going on. And uh, uh, we've just, uh, man, just it seems like there's been something every day. I know you feel the same way. Everybody's tired. We've been going, going these graduates. Yeah, we, uh, the, a week ago Friday, Sister Emmy graduated up at Urshan. And then this past Friday, Brother Drake uh, graduated. Sister Sade, she's out here, graduated. And, um, man, we're just thankful for these great events in these young people's lives and uh, able to try to be a part of it if we can. And uh, But, you know, it's just busy, 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 busy. There's, there's, there's something, you can find something to do. Uh, man, if you, if you think, well, there's just nothing to do, that ain't true. There's something to do. and um, But if you're not careful, that stuff will distract you and get you all over the place. It'll wear you out. And, uh, man, I tell you, so uh, I'm glad when we have these opportunities to be back in the house of the Lord. Uh, yeah, uh, Wednesday night, last Wednesday night, um, started our small group things. And, but after Wednesday night service, baptized Sam in Jesus' name. Yep, yeah, fantastic. And, uh Excited for just uh, these leaps of faith in people. Just love it so much. So we'll we'll get going. Uh, Brother Allen, Sister Teresa got married yesterday, uh, and so that was great. Uh, so like I say, just been something, man. Just going, going, going. So it's busy, a busy time of year. School's about to be out. I know everybody's happy about that. Some of you are already out, and you're happy about that. Um, but um, you know, this summer will be over quick, and fall semester will be right around the corner. So just. Just, let's go ahead and re remind you already. Go ahead and start planning your schedule. Yeah. No. Good to be here today. Great to see every one of you. Sister Eleanor, it's great to see you today. Yeah, or Laney. Everybody, Laney. I, I call her Eleanor because that's a great name for a great young lady, but it's also a great name of a car. And, uh, and since I love Mustangs, I'll, I'll, I'll call her Eleanor. So. God's good. We're going to uh, get right back into this um, walk on this gravel road to heaven. We're in lesson 16, so we're moving right along. We're over halfway there now at the end of this, so we're going to see if we can't find out something a little more from the Lord in this house today. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn Ephesians chapter 2 is where we will start, verses 14 through 16, and then we'll pray and we'll get into this lesson. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 14, speaking of Christ, it says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one. He's talking about Jew-Gentile relationship, that there's no more Jew or Gentile that's one in him. He's broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity or the uh, the disagreements, the, the war that was between us, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of two one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And so uh, today we're going to talk about this. This moment is bigger than you believe. This moment is bigger than you believe. Let's pray for the lesson this morning. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for your goodness and mercy and all that you do for us, Lord. We praise you today. And Lord, we ask you to let our hearts be good ground that we might receive this word and be better, be changed, be challenged, be more like you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house today. Thankful to be in his presence. God's good. You may be seated. God bless you. God bless you. A man, an author by the name of James Boswell, uh, in one of his writings, uh, he, was, he made this statement. He said, as in filling a vessel drop by drop, there is at last a drop which makes it run over. So in a series of kindnesses, there is at least one which makes the heart run over. The moment is bigger than you believe. 
And, uh, you know, we need to remember sometimes that this is a walk. And you know what a walk is? It's a number of individual steps. You don't get across the room by one step. It's several steps. And, uh, and you think, well, one step doesn't seem like much. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. Well, stop walking and you'll be one step short of where you need to be. You see, it's uh, uh, the moment that you're in today. Every breath you take, every waking moment living for God, it is bigger than you actually believe. Sometimes we can't see the impact of what we're doing day after day after day. But friend, let me tell you, on the days where it seems like nothing happens, it's still a testimony that you took up the cross and followed him. And whether you realize it or not, somebody is checking that off their calendar. They're still living for God. You're an example. You are what we used to call pillars in the church, people that are, you can count on. This is something, it's a, you're like a landmark. People can, uh, you know, don't ever let it be a bad thing if someone says they can sit there watched by you. You know what that means? That means you're consistent. You know, people say, well, oh, I must have gotten a rut. I'm boring. No, it's not a rut. You're consistent. There's so many times that we think, man, I'm in a rut. You're consistent. I'm just doing the same thing day after day. That's right, because you're being consistent. Because the Lord said, take up the cross daily and follow me. And some days you're just dragging the end of that cross through the sand, and that's all that's happening, or so you think. But what's really going on is that you're just being faithful in your walk. You're being faithful in your love. You're being faithful in your obedience. You're just doing what the Lord called you to do. You know, you might be in any occupation, whatever it is. Uh, you don't always do the same exact thing every day. You know, if you're a mechanic, one day you may change oil. The next day you may do a tune-up. The next day you may rebuild a transmission. But that's what you do. It's day after day after day. And uh, sometimes you feel like, well, I didn't do that today. Nobody came in. But did you lose any of your skill? You know how, your education, uh, are you still, yeah, you know, some days you don't run into anybody to talk to. Some days you don't preach a message. Some days uh, you don't have uh, some big uh, burning bush experience, but did, he, did you lose out with God? Don't you still have the Holy Ghost? Don't you still have that zeal and desire to serve him? Aren't you still, check your shoulder, the cross still there? And so you, what you're doing is you're like, well, I'm just going to go to sleep and rest up for the next day because tomorrow just might be the day that I meet that individual. It might be the person in line that I speak to that uh, I have an impact on because you never know when you're going to bounce into someone that uh, needs your testimony, that their walk has been, if you could have just looked to the left or right, they were walking parallel with you for a while because they were just in the same stream of this world and uh, they, they need to know, how do I get out? How do I get what you got? How do I uh, keep going day after day after day? Don't ever discount those easy days because it's, it's bigger uh, than you believe. And, uh, the things you're going through are bigger than what you believe in. And if this world could grab a hold of what Jesus did, uh, what we read this morning, how he, he came to abolish all this nonsense between people. He said, I came to make you one. I come to uh, baptize you into one body by one spirit. I, 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 it's uh, my blood for all nations, and so I want you to be one. There's no wonder that in heaven John saw that multitude and they were all in White robes. He said, there's not going to be anybody. Nobody's customizing. You ain't going to bling your robe when you get to heaven. Ain't going to be any, uh, you ain't going to have one of them bedazzlers and be uh, putting you a sunflower on the front of your robe or, or stitching you some back pockets on, on your robe. Won't need it. It's, we're going to all be in one white blood-washed robe that's whiter than any uh, laundromat could ever make it. Uh, let me tell you, there ain't no secret to get it whiter than the blood of Jesus. It's going to be wonderful. And uh, even though we'll be all kindreds and nations and tongues, we'll be singing one song and worshiping one God and we'll be in one place. 
And man, when the church started, they was in one place, in one mind, in one accord, and it was one Holy Ghost that poured out on those, all those people, and it made them one. And uh, if people could just grab that, it would be fantastic. It would be awesome that we could just be one like Jesus intended. If we could do that, I've said this before, if people could just get right with God, the world would fix itself. If they could, uh, you know, all these, hey, not just making Jew and Gentile, it makes Gentile and Gentile one. Because <laughs> there's, there's a lot of divisions uh, in, just amongst us. Uh, uh, but if we really all were that Christ, if we really all were in that body, if we really did believe what he came to do more than just uh, saying I believe in it, but just obeyed it and lived by it, uh, we wouldn't have all this division in the world today. It wouldn't be silly things like racism and stuff like that. You know, that's nonsense. And uh, divisions. And, it, you know, uh, it would solve political divisions. And uh, you know, I don't know what it would do for, for like, SEC and stuff like that, uh, football and baseball. People still would probably fight over that even in heaven. But, uh, you know, because uh, there's a lot of them, they, they sure people that, that watch Alabama won't go to heaven. But it, they will. They're going to be there. I don't think they'll be allowed to say roll tide, but I do think they, they're going to make it. Won't nobody be doing this. Or woof, woof, woof. So mm, there we go. Got to cover all of us if we're going to cover any of us. So it's got to take care of all of us. Praise God. But uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, you know, when you read in the book of Acts, Apostle Paul, he was... You know, he'd been around a while, had a great uh, um, education. He was uh, very zealous about the law, and, uh, and he just, you know, he, he, he had a lot of credentials as far as being a Pharisee, and um, he had come up, some, come up under some amazing teachers. But then he met the Lord, and he began to preach the Christ that he once persecuted. And so, um, but he was still the new kid on the block, in a sense, because... Peter and the 11, they had been walking with Jesus. And so there were the elders, you know, that kind of had it together. The pillars of the church, you know, old Peter still struggling. Paul writes in the book of Galatians that he was, um, uh, he, he went to Antioch and uh, him and Peter had a little incident. He said, when Peter was come to Antioch, Peter now, the man with the keys that preached that message on the day of Pentecost, you know, Paul said, I would stood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, which were Jews, there were some Jews that came from James, Peter ate with the Gentiles. But when they were come, these Jews showed up, he withdrew and he separated himself. He was afraid of them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews, they dissembled likewise with him. They followed suit. Insomuch that even Barnabas was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, this new kid on the block came up to Peter and said before them all, if you're a Jew living after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews, then why do you compel the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? He saw that there was a problem in the church and he had an opportunity here to either just, mm, no, I think I'm probably still a little new to, I better not say anything right here. I sure wouldn't want to get rebuked. Uh, so I'll just, you know, Peter knows what he's doing. He's been around. He's got the keys or whatever. He, he could have made a lot of excuses to say nothing, but instead he stood up for what was right. And that's uh, the kind of moments God gives us when we're walking with him is that we're going to be challenged sometimes to do some hard things. And I'm sure that uh, I don't know how, if they shook hands or hugged necks or Peter caught him outside the door and said, man, I'm sorry for what I did. You know, Peter was quick to, to make mistakes, but he always repented afterwards, so I'm sure he probably squared it uh, when it was over with. But uh, if Paul had not addressed this then, see how many other people 
Peter's actions were affected. A lot of other people were, oh, we're going the wrong way because you know, we're, you know, it's Peter and, and we don't want to get in trouble either, so we'll just go with Peter. But, but Paul was able to nip that in the bud and say, this is not right. Because, uh, and it was just over in the next book in Ephesians where we opened up with where Paul wrote, Jesus came to make us one. And so uh, maybe Paul doesn't realize right then but that moment was a lot bigger than anyone would ever believe because it would fix some things that were broken in the church where they could begin to praise God for uh, the Gentiles receiving repentance and being filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. It was tough for them for a while because even though the Jews had uh, received this and they, uh, they were preaching Christ, it was kind of still hard for them to let those Gentiles in. But it took somebody to stand up and say, hey, this is what's right. God came for all of us. He came to make us one. He died so that we could be one. He tore down that wall. The veil was rent. Everybody's granted access. He did it for us all. And so thank goodness that Paul was the kind of man that would stand up and not just back away, you know, because it's easy to just back away. But walking with God is about refusing to flow with the tide. We can't just go along with what this world's doing. And I've said it before, I said just because uh, you live in the South, you can't just go along with the South. I, hey, I love the South. I don't believe, I kind of laugh every time I see people say, well, the South going to rise again, if they still say that. But I'm like, you know, what does that even mean? You want another war? What are you talking about? You know, how ignorant is that statement? You know, you know what? Uh, we all going to rise one day. <laughs> Whether you live in the north, south, east, or west. And so, I don't want to go along with the tide. I don't want to go along with, well, this is our culture here. I want to go along with the covenant that I'm under with God. And I want to stand for these things. These are uh, it, God will position us uh, in a place to do these hard things sometimes. But if he puts you in that position... You can do it. Paul was able to do that. He was there for a reason. He was there at that divine moment and God needed somebody to speak up and say, hey, tell them this is wrong. And he did. He said, it's wrong. You may know who Edmund Burke is. He's got a very famous quote. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Just don't do anything. And that's what people do. Sometimes they, they become afraid. They're overwhelmed. They're insecure. Uh, uh, they feel insufficient. So they just do nothing. But you don't realize that whether you act or don't act, that moment is bigger than you believe. And your non-action can cause as a big negative effect as your action would have caused a big positive effect. We're walking with God. We've got to, yeah, yeah, we, we've got to serve him. We've got to obey him. We've got to follow his lead, hear the voice of the Spirit and do what he asks us to do. At doing things and stepping out and speaking up, that's hard for those people who their perception of Christianity and faith is that, that just easy believism and there's grace plus nothing and I don't have to do anything. It's hard for them to swallow that because uh, uh, why should I do anything? I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit in my recliner, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. And things and people are being lost and people are not having what God wants because nobody's doing nothing. These moments are bigger than we believe. And, and so as we walk with God, there are times when God will call us into action. He called those disciples to follow me. He didn't say just, hey, I want you to believe in me and every time I come by, we'll have a little service. He said, I want you to go where I go learn the things that I'm teaching, do the things that I do. And while, when that 12 followed him, they went out and preached. They healed. They cast out spirits. And sometimes in the middle of a desert place when people were starving, he said, hey, you give them something to eat. You know, it was, uh, he, was, he was calling because that's, that's who we are. We're, we are God's agents of change in a world that just likes to go with the flow. But we don't just go with the flow. We're different because we know that in the world is darkness, but we're the light of the world. 
he, he called us to be the light of the world. That's what, what he wants us to be. And so we, we can't just stand by and not question what's going on. I don't, I, we don't need a bunch of activists now. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about, hey, let's go, let's go protest somewhere. The gospel is good enough. Listen, when we talked about uh, Paul standing up, and that, and that was good for uh, Jews and Gentiles things, but the root of that was what Christ did. And that's what the gospel will do if we will uh, actually obey it and actually preach it and actually live it, is the gospel is about changing men's hearts. It's about taking out the stony heart and putting in the heart of flesh so that we can walk in his ways. And if that, that would fix so many people if they would just fall in love with Jesus, if they would just learn that uh, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel brings men and women back to God. That's the only thing that's going to fix society. It's not going to be a bill that's passed. You know, they're protesting right now and they're, they're marching because they're afraid that abortion rights are going to be abolished and, and you know, and, and, uh, and people are just all up in arms about it. But, you know, even if, they were, they, if it does happen, if they say, okay, abortion's illegal, do you think it's going to stop it? People will still find a way. They're going to do it. But if people would just get their lives in tune with the gospel, Oh, and it would change their heart because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And, you know, and out of our heart we speak and out of the, the heart are the affairs of life. And so uh, it would just change everything if we would just get the gospel in our heart. We can't take the gospel and put it in a showcase and set it in a temple somewhere and say, come by and see it when you can. It was never meant to be enshrined somewhere just for a select few people. The scripture said the spirit was calling out, whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. It's for anybody. And then Matthew 5, 13 and 14, Jesus said, look, you're the salt of the earth. You know what you do with salt? You don't try to get one little grain of salt and put it on your food. That don't do nothing. Some of us too much. But we stand on the scripture. Salt is good. <laughs> he said, you're the salt of the earth. <laughs> it's just getting on everything. It's changing the flavor of everything. It's changing the flavor of this. It, but why, do you, why do you put salt on it? So it'll taste better. We want to change the way it tastes. We, want, we, we're not trying, we like the taste of that certain item, Tomato. I like tomatoes. Tomato sandwich. Okay, here you go. I love tomatoes by themselves. But you know what makes them just, woo, a little salt. It's like, wow, that tomato sandwich is popping now. It's, it's so you salt it. But if it loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing. Just cast it out. Walk on top. Try, just it's, it's, it's no good for anything. It's designed to make an impact. And then he went on to say this. You're the light of the world. And you are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. We were never supposed to do this thing in a corner. We were never supposed to do this thing hidden. We were never supposed to do this thing uh, for just a select group or for a clique. He said, you're the light of the world, not the light of your group. Yep. You're the light of the world. You're not the light of your race. That's it. We're the light of the world. Doesn't matter what color they are, what language they speak. Doesn't matter how much money's in the bank. It doesn't matter what political party they're affiliated with. We are the light of the world. And I'm telling you that if we will just do what Jesus wants us to do, it will make an impact. It will make a difference. We may not recognize it right off, and we may leave this world not even knowing who we reached. But we're going to reach them. Listen, we have been called not to just believe, but also to act boldly. Put your hand to the plow and don't look back. Whatever you find to do, do it with your might. We're, we're called to, the scripture says, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel, not them that believe the gospel. He said, you've got to do more than just believe it. 
Because I've, I've used, it's so simple. I said, man, you can believe a lot of things and never act on it. There's people that they, they believe this is the law, but they still break the law. Because they think they can get away with it. We're not going to get away with this. We've got to do what we're supposed to do. I, I mentioned this quote the other night. Uh, the, the writer here in this lesson, he said, with our access to the web, history will no doubt recount that we were the most educated and affluent Christians since the dawning of the Christian era, and yet it will find us to be the most passive. We've got more access. We've got more knowledge. We've got more understanding. And we're sitting on our hands doing nothing. Is the seed yet in the barn? Oh, one, one, one prophet asked, is the seed yet in the barn? Because seed in the barn don't plant a field. It don't grow crops. It just sits there until eventually it's no good for anything. We've got to get the seed out of the barn. We've got to start sowing the seed of the gospel. And, and we say, well, is it going to make a difference? It's going to make a difference. Look, we've got smartphones with apps for everything, but there is no app for boldness. There is no app for courage. There is no app for, for standing up and preaching. Sometimes you just got to stand up and speak up and say what the Lord laid on your heart. Don't sit on that thing. You've got to just stand sometimes. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do they realize how big the moment was? You know, uh, to them... We're just going to die. I mean, because, but we're not going to worship this idol that you're setting up. Did they have any idea that they would be preached about thousands upon thousands of years later? They had no idea how big the moment actually was, but this was just part of their, this was their life. This was just a moment of moments in their life. It was just, it's recorded, so it's big to us. Wow, look at that, just fiery furnace, mad kings and people dying all around the fire and chunk them in the furnace, and then we're just like, oh, this is like a blockbuster. And it was simply a bunch of moments that led up to this where they had an opportunity to bow down or to stand up and say, we will not worship they were just saying, this is us. Everybody else, they weren't grabbing nobody else. Just, this is us. This is what we're going to do. I know there's a thousand people around us and we're only three, but we're just not going to worship that thing, King. That's it. We go in the furnace. Okay. Hey, guess who's in the furnace with us? The one we were standing for anyway walking around with us, and we're fine. Hey, come out of there. Uh, you know what? My goodness, now whew, I'm going to promote you, and, and nobody, there ain't another God like the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everybody's testified about God. The moment was so much bigger than they could have realized when Daniel uh, knew that they wrote this bogus law up to try to trap him. So he just went and prayed three times a day like he always did. He knew about it. He said, I'm not going to worry about the trap that's been set. I'm not going to worry about the schemes that have been laid. I'm just going to keep doing what I do. And so they come and got him, and they took him. They threw him in a den of lions, and, and there he is, man. And, man, did Daniel have any idea the impact of, in culture that his story would have? Daniel in the den of lions. How many times that's been referenced in sports and everything else? Is, man, there's paintings and and just, you know, books and pictures and messages and things are preached. He had no idea. This is just what I do. It was just another moment in my faithful walk with God where I had an opportunity to stand up and stand on for what was right. And how many people are preaching about Daniel today around the world? How many people have felt like, oh, I was in that den of lions just like Daniel, but I, if Daniel can come out, if God can deliver Daniel, he can deliver me. And we stood, and we got faith, we got courage, we were lifted up because, mm, man, we, we, we just realized that, hey, this is the God I serve, and if he did it for them, he can do it for me. Oh, it matters. Does it matter if we speak up? 
I think that's why the question is that we never realize how big the moment could be because we talk ourselves out of speaking up, of standing up. It's what we do of any importance of all. Well, sure it is. It's much bigger than you actually believe. I think about the unintended audiences that are reached. You know, many times we're thinking, I'm praying for this one thing and we've got a specific person and target or thing in mind. But what you don't realize is those acts of faith that other people are watching it. Yo, know, when people would see Jesus doing things, miracles, it would draw the crowd. And he was just doing what he came to do. And he was there for this certain individual, but now all of a sudden, because if he's doing it for him, he can do it for me. If he's doing it for her, he can do it for me. And that's the whole thing of sowing the seed of the gospel. He said, man, when he lets that handful of seed go, it landed on all different types of ground. Sure, what a man sowing seed wants it to hit good ground because he wants it to grow. But you know what? He, he didn't, he's not aiming, he's just broadcasting it. And so some of it falls on good ground, some of it falls on stony ground. You know, it falls among briars and thorns and different things like that. But it, it all landed somewhere and it all made an impact. And uh, hey, it may not all turn into what you want it to, but somebody, some way, it's going to infect them somehow. It's going to get them some way, somehow. And that's, we got to quit worrying about just trying to target and just sow the seed, just throw it out there. And wherever it lands, it's going to, because his word won't return void. And so we want to sow the seed and get people there and, and, and do the things that we're supposed to do because you never know. Hey, you're, hey, hey, you that's praying for a prodigal, you're praying for a, a lost spouse or a lost child or something like that. You know, you're praying, you're praying, and, and you're, just, you, you're praying for that person, that individual. That's who I want. But there's somebody else watching you pray that. And they're watching you stay faithful. And they're watching you hang in there. And you know what it's doing? It's building them up because now they're, they're praying for a prodigal. They're praying for somebody. It's like they're still praying. They hadn't given up. I'm not going to give up. Your, your, your faith is just encouraging other people. And so when you pray, you're, you think, I'm only praying for this. But it's so much bigger than you believe because so many other people are being affected by your faith. You know, listen, negative stuff can infect people, but positive stuff can infect people too. If we're going to infect people or affect people, let it be with positive stuff. Let it be with prayers. Let it be with living your life for God because it's so much bigger than you realize. It it. it helps so much more than we can ever know. That's why we, we, oh God, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask to think. Hello, it's bigger than what you believe. I'm praying for this. You ever got more than you prayed for? Because it was bigger than you believed. It was more than you believed. Hey, all Solomon did was say, give me the wisdom to lead this people. I'll give it to you and great riches and all this and that. Just started loading stuff on him because you asked for this, he lived us daily with benefits. Even on the days that nothing really happens. I mean, do you know, preachers get benefits even on the days they don't preach? Yeah. Missionaries get benefits on the days they don't missionary. I don't know if they ever get a day off, honestly. But, yeah, because... God's going to be faithful. He said, I'm going to load you daily with benefits. So some days, man, you feel like you're just going through them benefits. Because you're, you're fighting spiritual battles. You're doing the work of the kingdom. You feel like you're just depleting them as soon as you get them. But some days, you just, he's just piling them on. And guess what? There's no weight to them. He just keeps loading you down. And now you know what? Tomorrow you got more than you need. <laughs> You just build, you just got to stop. You got a surplus. How, how come I didn't run out today? How come I didn't give up today? Because you got two days worth of stuff on you. That's why he would tell them when he was giving them quail and manna, he said, pay attention now. You gather this much the day before the Sabbath. You'll have enough. You won't even have to leave your tent. You'll have food to eat. All some of them got stupid and went out and said, I'm going to I'm going to gather some on the Sabbath. There ain't nothing out there. 
I gave you enough the day before. And it, but they, they're, hey, where's all the manna? Where's all the quail? I told you I'd give you enough the day before to last. You know, but they, they didn't pay attention to that. And so but I'm, I'm telling you that God's given you enough every day to get you through that day. But guess what? If you've had one of them days where, man, you're just floating on the clouds and you're worshiping God and ain't nothing going wrong and it's all going your way and things are great and you didn't use up nothing today. You're just praising God and worshiping God and it's just been great. And the next day, how come that didn't take me out? Because God gave you enough to get through it. God said, I, I'm not going let, to let this stuff, to, I give you what you need so you can survive it. So, so keep doing what you're supposed to do. Can I remind us? Galatians 6 and 9. Uh, Paul said, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There's going to be a reaping. There's going to be a gathering in. There's going to be a reward. You're going to get uh, the reward for what you do. It's going to happen. If you wanted to look at it in that agricultural sense, no man that plants his field goes back the next day to harvest. He knows it's going to take time. Why? Why do we just bug God? Oh, like he didn't hear us. I heard you the first time. You got to trust me. You just planted it. Let's get a little water on it. Let's get a little sun on it. Let's get a little time and watch it develop. The planting of the seed, that moment's bigger than you realize. Right then, you have no idea. You, you, you plant that seed, you have no idea how it's going to come up. But wow, look at what a crop is growing up. Wow, I, I didn't realize I planted that much. Well, you didn't. God blessed it. <laughs> you know, that's what God does. But you've got to give it some time. Don't get weary. Keep doing it. Because even those days of seemingly doing nothing are so huge in the eyes of others. People watch us. We are written epistles, living epistles, read of all men. They watch us. Paul would tell saints, be a follower of me as I follow Christ. You've know, you, you got to have enough confidence in your walk with God, not in yourself, but in your walk with God that you could say, follow me, I'll lead you in the right direction. Don't follow my flesh. Don't do the stupid things I do. Follow me as I follow him. It's bigger than you realize. These little chance opportunities, these meetings. Paul would go on to say this, 1 Corinthians 15 and 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We forget it. He said, you know this, but you forget it. And we do. We forget that God's going to bless. We forget that God's going to come through. But when you just keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on living for God, keep on serving Him, keep on doing what He said to do, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And any project that you start on has those days where it's like, Nothing's going on. Nothing's working. Hey, if you're a builder, you know, you, you start, start a, like building a house and, and you, you get, get out there and you start on it, get it graded. And, All right, tomorrow we're planning on getting there. And then six weeks of rain. You ain't driving one nail and one board. Six weeks ain't nothing there but the foundation. But if the foundation's there, it can be built on. There'll be a day when the building starts. Don't... Don't discount, hey, the foundation's here. We are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Friend, let me tell you, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, we, we know where our foundation is. And so, hey, if I'm going through a little rain and ain't no building happening right now, the foundation's here, and as soon as the sun breaks, the building's going to start going up. You're going to see it happen. Your labor's not in vain. We've got to remember that. So as I said earlier, I don't even know what time it is. Somebody, wow, man, this class goes too fast. The lives and the stories, like I said earlier, of these biblical heroes, it just is larger than life. Like, like I said earlier, it's like an epic tale made into a blockbuster movie. We're like, wow. 
But in reality, just like for you and me, they are the results of many, many just the drops, drops in a vessel, Every, a glass of water. If you wanted to, you could fill it up one drop at a time. Oh, that'll take forever, but it would happen. Well, it's easier to just pour. Well, sure it is, but sometimes it's one drop, one drop, one drop, one drop at a time. You just keep dropping in the vessel. And so um, these stories are recorded uh, just as many other moments are, you know, are not recorded. One man said of Jesus, if everything he did was written, he said the books of the world couldn't contain it. That's just how it is. And that's why we, we get these stories from these men's life, but what about all the days we don't read about? Do you think nothing happened? Oh, no, there was a plenty of things happening. You know, we, we read a lot of stories about David's mighty men, but you know, it's, it's just a quick, hey, this guy jumped down in a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Oh, I'd like to read about that. But that's all you get. It's, it's just it. Or one guy said, hey, time would fail me to tell you of David and Samson and Jephthah. You mean there's other stories that I'm not reading about way back here? Oh, yeah, there's a lot more that went on. You just don't know about it because it's not written down because he can't write everything down. We think that uh, they just were like, hey, we're going to take a nap until it's time for me to get up and fight a giant. Hey, I'm going to take a nap until it's time for me to go out to battle. No, they were living day after day after day, worshiping God and serving God and living for God and, and uh, man, just doing what God wanted them to do, living their life one day at a time, each moment in faith. And you know what? They didn't do it because they said, oh, one day we're going to be in the Bible. We better get our good act on today. You know, one day we're going to be, I'm going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I better be practicing with my rock. They had no idea they would be the subject of so many people's lives and walks. And they had no idea that they would impact generations of people through preaching of the word. Did David ever think somebody would, you know, sure, you kill a giant, pretty big thing. But for thousands of years, they're going to talk about this. It's going to be recorded. Uh, you know, God's going to have it recorded. And for thousands of years, people are going to be preaching about David and Goliath. Sportscasters are going to be saying it's a David and Goliath matchup. You know, I mean, it's, it's used everywhere. It was a lot bigger, as big as it was, it was much bigger than he realized what it was. They had no idea. You think Ruth had any idea how big it was going to be for her to say, I will not leave you, Naomi. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you dwell, I'm going to dwell. Where you die, I'm going to die. That's, she had no idea that she was headed toward meeting Boaz and becoming uh, the great-grandmother to David, being in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Had, did you realize that, Ruth, when you said, is that why you said I'll go with Naomi? No. That's not why I said it. I had no idea there was even a man named Boaz. I didn't know any of this. It was so much bigger. But she just knew that she had to stick with God. Did Rahab have any idea that by hiding these spies that she was going to uh, cement herself into history and unfortunately still referred to as Rahab the harlot in most places? But, but still, did you know Rahab? No, I didn't know. I didn't know if they might just kill me. I didn't know what they would do, but I had to stand. I had to take this chance. I couldn't miss this opportunity. Or maybe just Job. Job, did you realize the impact you would have by just holding on to your integrity? He had, you know, he had no idea how this would, would play out. Honey, come on up to the music. I'll, I'll start bringing this thing in. Oh, other honey. Yeah, sorry. I got to, I got to, I said I was going to be careful about that, but I, I forgot. Um, anyway, yep. <laughs> Listen, every prayer, every Bible study, every testimony, every song sung, every hand that you shake, every word that you speak, every donation you make, every meal you buy, every ride you give, it all matters because it's our life of kingdom living. We were sitting at the reception for uh, Alan and Teresa yesterday and um, a lady by the name of Rachel was sitting at our table. Never met her, never seen her before. Um, you know, we're sitting there. I was talking with Brother Brian. Sister Patty was there at the table with us. And uh, a little conversation started between her and my wife. And, 
And I can tell you in that conversation, because I was listening out of two ears, um, I can tell you where I, I would have stopped the conversation, because that's just how I am. I'm, I'm, I'm eating, they're eating. You know, hey, how are you doing? Glad to have you. you know, oh, when the lady mentioned something, my wife, she just, she's not even paying attention to her food. That's, that's not me. I'm looking at my food. But she's got a plate full of food there. She ain't taking a bite. She said, tell me your story. And so this lady, Rachel, began to tell her her story of recovery and things she had gone through and just a, 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 you know, a brief testimony of her life and where she worked and how she met Alan Teresa and different things and, and stuff like that. And, and, just, and, you know, and the lady was like, thank you so much for, for asking and thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to share you know, this story and stuff. And, and, and I'm just sitting there thinking, man, that's my girl. Go, girl. You know, that's, that's, yeah, but I was thinking, and she invited her to church. You need to come to church sometime. You need to come visit and do it. And I was just thinking, you know, this is going to be a lot bigger than you think. When she walks in to a church somewhere, either here or somewhere, as she walks in, God fills her with the Holy Ghost. She's baptized in Jesus' name. And one day she's going to say, well, this lady I was talking to at this table at a reception one day was just, man, just so kind and just asking and just, then, well, here I am. You know, it's going, it's a, you become a part of her story. And that's what happens. We become a part of people's story. And, and you think, well, I'm just one page. Rip a page out of a book and start reading and realize, hey, something don't jive here. Something's missing. It's, it don't line up. It don't fit. When you take yourself out of the story, it, it's not the same. What you do is so much more important than what you realize. Whether it's showing up, cleaning up, what, whatever it is. Speaking up, worshiping, preaching, dancing. You, you see these people, people that, you, we used to talk about Brother Paul Vaughn all the time. Because he, if he could do it, he's going to take a lap. I'll never forget that. It's always here. It always encouraged me. It always made me smile to see him do it, always. I'll never forget when someone said, it don't matter who it is from now on, when anybody says God is faithful, you know how I think of? I think of Brother Paul. Man, I, I would feel like I was missing something now if I didn't have that. It's because he, he became part of my story. Encouraged me to, to watch him do the things that he did. And you just know that about him. You'd be surprised the great, whether you can beat yourself up all you want to, but you would be surprised at the great and positive things that people think about you. You think, oh, I'm nothing. I really would love to just thump you when you do that. Because you are not just nothing. Whether you feel like that or not, it's not true. People love you. You, you are important to them. You mean something in their walk, in their life. They, they, they're glad you're there. You're part of the story. We talk about this. I, I know I, I got a, wow, oh well. Um, you know, sometimes you may, stand with me, that, that'll help me. A decision, I wrote this this morning, just studying, felt like the Lord just kind of pushed this on me. A decision isn't much without a follow-through. If you decide to do something but then don't follow through, you know, we think, well, does it, does it mean that? But, hey, but don't discount the power of a decision, of a made-up mind. Because here's what a decision, if the decision was real, the decision will keep you hanging on until you finally take the step. It's just like if you made a decision, I'm going to learn how to swim. You're terrified of water, but I'm going to learn how to swim. I'm going to, I've made my mind up. You might walk to the edge of the pool for weeks before you finally put your foot in. Why'd you keep coming back? Because I had made my mind up that I was going to get in that water. And so when you make your mind up, I'm, I'm going to serve God. 
It may take you a while to get to where you want to get, but just hang on to that decision because the scripture says this, last scripture, 2 Corinthians 8 and 12, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what a man has and not according to what he has not. We are not penalized for our lack in that point. If our mind is made up to do it, God will help you. He can, uh, the Spirit can come on you and embolden you. Uh, he'll give somebody a word to speak to you. Something will happen to pull you on through because with every temptation, I believe God makes a way. And so listen, God will accept what you have and use it just like he did with the woman who said, I have nothing but a vessel of oil, and he used it. I have just a little meal and a little cruise of oil, and that's it, and he used it. Well, Jesus, I just got a couple of fish and a few loaves, and he used it. It might be the first drop of many, or it could be the drop that causes the overflow. Could, could just be one more drop in the, in the vessel or it could be the drop that makes it run over. But if you stop, it stays where it's at. Let's lift our hands this morning. Thank God for the moment that you're in right now. It's bigger than you believe. I just came to church because it's on the, you know, y'all have church at 11. Well, uh, guess what? The moment's bigger than you believe. He Hallelujah, we thank you, Jesus, for this moment, for this day. This is the day that you have made, oh God. Oh, let us see what you have for us. Let us hear what the Spirit will say. Let it lead us in the right path to do the things that you called us to do, God. Oh, God, lead us in this place today. Use us as vessels in this place today. Oh, God, and if it's just our, if it's just our day to stand still, and be a light shining. Lord, and let us do that. Let us rejoice. Even a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, the psalmist said. But we praise you for putting us in this moment. Blessed in your name, Jesus. Everyone said amen. Give him a hand clap and shout of praise. What a great God. What a great God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you for being in uh, our morning class. Let's find a place to pray before the next service and get ready for God to do some great things. Amen. God bless you.